And I'm guilty of that, honestly. Like, not just on a mental level, but even physically. <laughs> Google tells you that you're that you're already dying right now and your body's failing you. Yeah, you might, like, believe it and go into, like, a panic attack or something. Welcome to Heart of Glass, the podcast. I'm your host, Hella, and in this podcast, I will be discussing emotions, life, death, conflict, and everything that makes us human. So please stick around as shit's about to go down. another Wednesday and another episode obviously so well the electricity just went out and I thought oh my god this is the perfect opportunity to record high quality audio with like zero noise in the background because <laughs> obviously I don't have like the the padding thing set up in my studio but anyways the electricity went back on so that's that's good, but my experiment did not work, so <laughs> uh, we'll save that for another episode, I guess. But anyway, this is kind of the middle of the season right now because this is episode five. Yeah, I'm excited to keep doing more of these episodes. We have two more after this one, and then that'll complete the season. So I'm excited to... I'm not, like, excited to end it, but, like, I want to see it done, you know what I mean? And, like, so I'm going to get back to my work uh, pretty soon, and I'm excited about that. So I got to I gotta find some balance, you know, uh, but I just want to make sure that this season is done and being uploaded on time. So that should be good. Waffles enjoying himself in the background, just, like, playing around with um, the chocolate packaging so um i don't feed him chocolate just fyi i'm not about to kill my cat (laughs) um so anyways today's episode is about depression so depression is one of the most difficult stages of the grieving process as it can trigger a pre-existing depression that you might already have and then make it even worse to come out of It's important to note that this depression that comes as a part of the grieving process is different from prolonged depression. Now, going through a loss and experiencing other stages of grief, but having this be the most intense stage could actually mean that this experience has brought up a serious underlying depression that you have to deal with for a longer period of time. We are going to discuss the difference between clinical or chronic depression and complicated grief. Now, I have to note yet again that I'm not speaking from a psychology background. Of course, I do my research and know enough about my own experience with grief and going to therapy for that, but I also want to talk about how everyone is self-diagnosing these days, if you know what I mean. Like, Depression has become this disorder that everyone can relate 
to like just a couple of symptoms that they see online and I'm not trying to be dismissive here or anything. Of course, everyone knows themselves enough to know that they're not okay, but what I'm trying to say is self-diagnosis is not enough and you do need to hear it from a specialist who can also guide you to the next step. Whether it be medication and talk therapy or just the latter on its own, So let's please stop looking up random symptoms on Google and just assuming that that's what we're dealing with because, and I'm guilty of that, honestly, like not just on a mental level, but even physically. (laughs) And then Google tells you that you're probably going to be, that you're already dying right now and your body's failing you. And yeah, you might like believe it and go into like a panic attack or something, but Even if you're right about the symptoms that you read online, and you could be, you might end up being diagnosed with whatever disease or illness you looked up online, but up until that point, it means you're still guessing and doubting. You just can't confirm that until you talk to a professional. Um, I mean, that's what they're here for, Uh, and I'll get to discuss therapists and how to navigate that in the final episode. Fun fact, I'm a huge advocate for therapy and going. Th- I, I think of it as like self-care and I'm all for taking medication if you need it. But when it comes to depression, and this is based on a lot of people who experience, who have struggled with medication for depression, most of them say the same thing that, and this is a fun fact to all my depressed folks out there, medication alone is not as effective. Therapy with medication is, uh, so there's that. Just like I mentioned in the beginning of the episode, grief can be a trigger for depression. And like all the other stages, not everyone who grieves will experience depression. And depression is a clinical disorder that has many different types with specific symptoms that set them apart depending on the cause or the lack of one. Uh, There's major depressive disorder, psychotic disorder, postpartum depression, and there's many, many other kinds. And it's normal for it to happen as a result of grief. But once it starts to worsen, instead of becoming better, then it will require a specific diagnosis by a professional who can obviously determine the type of depression you have and the ways in which it can be alleviated or dealt with. Tim Jewell has written an article on Healthline.com, which was medically reviewed by Timothy Legg, about complicated grief versus depression as part of grieving. So I'm going to summarize it very briefly. Complicated depression happens when depression as a stage of your process becomes prolonged, worsens, or just keeps interfering with your daily life for months and even years. He basically defines this condition as a complex bereavement disorder, which usually happens after the death of a loved one. It revolves around you blaming yourself for it or even wishing you were dead too. Now, one of the causes of complicated grief could be environment. Among other reasons, obviously, like regular depression, things like genetics, body chemistry, and personality. But environment plays a huge role as well. Getting help from professionals is one thing. But building strong relationships and achieving small goals just 
getting support from friends and loved ones is also important. Engaging in new and different activities could also be helpful in generating new neurological pathways in the brain. This does change the way you're thinking. And it's not just the passing of time that helps us forget, but the coping mechanisms that we develop along the way. This apocalyptic pandemic has completely changed our daily lives. Quarantine, working from home, working out from home, etc. But one of the toughest things about this time that we all probably had to deal with at some point is losing someone for COVID. So in the U.S. right now, COVID-19 has become the leading cause of death. Each one of us either knows someone who died of COVID or heard from friends and family about someone they know died of it. I know we kind of collectively adapted to the situation to a certain extent, but such news is still shocking and too heavy to bear. I mean, my heart sinks when I hear the death of someone I even barely know, and just the idea that they're gone are no longer here with us and can't communicate with us anymore, at least in the way that we're used to, is frustrating. I can't begin to imagine being there while a loved one is dying right before my eyes. Loss is such a difficult thing to go through and losing someone to death can easily bring you into a state of depression. And that's totally normal. I lost my grandma twice. Once when she showed symptoms of Alzheimer's disease and then when she died. May her soul rest in peace. She died at around 90 years old during Eid when I was away from home. That Eid was weird on so many levels, not just because I wasn't celebrating with family or anyone for that matter, but because I was also thinking of her and everyone back home. And in her last days, she started to show symptoms of Alzheimer's. Now, I can only imagine the confusion and pain someone with Alzheimer's would go through. She would seem overall confused. She would take naps at random hours of the day and wake up not knowing what time it is. Her short-term memory started to gradually fade away. People like her are present with their bodies, but not their memories or even their perception of the world as they know it or once knew it. And I also feel for those who were so close to her at the time and were with her on a daily basis. Losing someone when they're physically present but not mentally is a difficult thing. And you start grieving their loss even though they're still there, but not exactly as you know them. If you're someone who's dealt with a loved one with Alzheimer's, you will probably know the agony and frustration of being with someone who does not have probably any memories of who you are or even who they are. Those are not tangible or like physical things. Like you can't see that type of struggle on the outside, obviously. Yet it puts you in a grieving mindset and that's completely okay. It's fine to grieve someone who is still there and alive. So I want to shed some light on prolonged depression and normal. Well, I mean, I'm not going to call it that. There's no such thing as normal or abnormal depression, but just short-term depression, I guess. What are the things to look out for when you're grieving a loss and like find yourself in a depressive state of mind? Just to make sure that you're not falling into a prolonged depression. 
And if you are, you obviously can always get help. But it's so important to know these things. Now, the difference between prolonged depression after the death or a loss of a loved one and depression when it comes to the stage of grief, when we look at the duration of the symptom, people with depression feel depressed all the time. Grieving people often have symptoms that fluctuate or come in waves, especially when there's a direct cause, like dealing with a loss, obviously. Another element to look at to determine whether it's chronic depression or one that comes with grief is the level of accepting support or getting help. People with chronic depression often begin to isolate themselves and may even ignore others on the long run, while people who are grieving may avoid vibrant social settings, but they do often accept some sort of help or support from loved ones. Now, the last thing that could determine the difference between the two is the ability to function. Someone who is grieving may still be able to go to work or school. They may even feel like participating in these activities will help keep their mind busy. But if you're clinically depressed, you may experience symptoms so severe that it may affect your day-to-day life, like being unable to go to work or do other important tasks. Which brings me to my own experience with depression as a stage of my grieving process. I know what it feels like to have to live with a different version or a different reality than what you're used to. For me, basically, on the outside, I do tend to look like I'm cool, calm, and collected. Like, I can handle things. And I've been told this by trustworthy, close people that I don't look like I've been through a lot of what I've been through. Hats off, I do give myself credit for taking lots of shit until I can't anymore. (laughs) So after I got diagnosed with DVT, which obviously in my case is pretty chronic, there was this long pause for a while, like especially the recovery time when I got back to my apartment, starting physical therapy and whatnot. It was so frustrating, but then also depressing. I didn't have the tools or the resources to learn how to cope They don't give you a manual once you leave the hospital in a wheelchair, unable to walk, that says, hey, you're going to have some long-term symptoms, it's going to be shit, but here's what you have to do to make it through. Like, I genuinely had a lot to process in my brain that I kind of felt it slowing down. You know, the angry voice, the one that was denying, resisting, all of that kind of faded away in the back of my mind. And my depression stage of dealing with my illness, to me, kind of looked like defeat. I was not fighting anymore. I wasn't as resentful towards my fate, but I also wasn't in that accepting mindset yet. I felt like I had a long way ahead of me to be able to get back up from something that I had no explanation as to why it happened in the first place. I honestly, at that point, could not see myself the way I am today, right now. Like, I couldn't see a way through it. I was so sucked into my depression and way too hung up on the way my life was before I got DVT. And that's something to grieve for. It's totally normal. The toughest part of coping with this stage and moving away from it is to obviously cope with the situation causing it. As time went by, I started to gradually get myself back into my old routine. 
drawing aimlessly and not necessarily in a creative way. I was also working on my thesis film at the time. Just refocusing on the stuff that made me who I am, the things I'm good at that also bring me so much joy. That was the major thing that pulled me out of my lowest and darkest point. It takes so much to pull yourself out of this and if that's something you're dealing with right now as you're listening, I applaud you for trying. Whatever that may look like to you. Hell, I'm just proud of you for being here, just for existing because that's the most important thing. I want to end the episode on this note. I hope you find the little spark that is going to pull you out of your grief today and bring you a little bit closer to whatever next stage that awaits you. Again, I like to remind you to take it easy on yourself, that just your simple awareness of what you're going through is considered making progress in and of itself. Until the next episode, which is going to be about acceptance, don't forget to rate, 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 rate the podcast on Apple Pod- I've seen the seven people who rated the podcast. I appreciate you. I see you. Thank you. And um, yeah, don't miss me too much and take care. Bye.